0: Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. As you're listening to this, I wonder if you've checked into LinkedIn this morning. That's linkedin.com, the business and professional networking site. I hope you have, or at least I hope you have a profile on LinkedIn because over half a billion users, professionals just like you and me, are on LinkedIn regularly. In fact, 40% of users are active daily On this platform. And although the user base on Facebook is allegedly shrinking, LinkedIn seems to be growing. Uh, Microsoft acquired the platform for just over $26 billion. If someone has a different price, please let me know, but that's the information I have. So Microsoft invested roughly $26 billion. In this platform not so long ago. So there's a plan to grow the platform to at least two or maybe three billion users. Now, there are interesting statistics, which I'll share with you in a moment, but that's what today is all about. It's all about that platform called LinkedIn. There are loads of features on that platform. We can't cover everything today. I'm not a LinkedIn expert, but what we can do is to bring an expert on LinkedIn, not from LinkedIn, but an expert on LinkedIn on the show to talk to you. This is episode 25 of the podcast. Let's get down to training business. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Welcome, this is the show for training business owners like you and I helping you to learn more to earn more and to grow your training business. As I mentioned, we're focusing on LinkedIn today, at least for this episode and perhaps for future episodes in 2019. And the reason we're focusing on LinkedIn is because LinkedIn is incredibly important. And that's where you should be spending some of your time at least. I would imagine you have a profile on LinkedIn or you have a company page for your training business on LinkedIn. So I've asked Petra Fisher from the Netherlands or Holland to come on the show and explain to us about the kinds of things that you and I should be doing on LinkedIn, why training business owners should care about getting things right on LinkedIn, and also perhaps to focus on the kinds of things that we shouldn't be doing or should be doing less of on LinkedIn, the kinds of mistakes that people often make. So we're going to end that or this episode with five expert tips, which Petra will give us, To help us to use LinkedIn much better as a training business owner. How does that sound? Cool? Great. Let's dive into the episode. Petra, good morning and welcome to the show.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me, Mark.
0: I'm very delighted actually to have you on the program. I've been kind of chasing you for a while, in fact. (laughs) Yeah, because you, I mean, you've been recommended to me uh, as as the LinkedIn expert, um, in fact, I remember contacting you a number of years ago when I was figuring out what to do with my LinkedIn profile, and strangely enough, my sister who lives in the Netherlands. Um, when I was talking about uh, my LinkedIn profile, she recommended someone saying, you know, this is this person you should really get in touch with. Uh, her name's Petra. In fact, she lives here in the Netherlands. And I thought, hang on a sec. I know that name. So, look, it's great to have you on the program at last. And I'd love to begin uh, today's episode with you to find out about your story, because um, I'm aware that um, you, you made a conscious effort to focus on training in 2003 because at the time you were teaching Microsoft Office you were focusing then subsequently on LinkedIn so let's go back to the time when you decided to get into training
1: at first it was just sitting down and going through every job I had had up until that time and right then what what did I like most in that job and that's when I started to see that it was explaining things to other people, whether it was in a formal, you know, workshop setting or if it's just helping out a colleague or training volunteers or students. And I realised what I really like about it is figuring out the different ways people learn, even before I knew there was formal learning styles, to, you know, if you explain something and something someone doesn't get it, by listening carefully to how they phrase their question that actually tells you how you have to explain it differently. And that is one of the things I really like. I love it when you just see that light go on within a person when they suddenly get it. And I'm also really about um, training in a way that people don't have to remember every single step of something, but that they know how to get back to it when they need it. So more about skills than just Uh, memorize this book and then you'll, you know, can always apply it. To me, it's more, if you know where to find the book and if you know how to read it and how to implement what's in there, then I have um, achieved what I set out with my training.
0: Right, so that's the practical application, which leads us nicely on to what you currently do. And, And you are a LinkedIn training expert, helping people to attract ideal clients and reach business goals. What do you like about LinkedIn so much?
1: So to me, to to sit down with someone and find out what really makes them tick, what drives them, and what their current network needs to believe. You know, if you're a trainer, um, people want to know you have the subject knowledge, you have the didactic skills, you have, um, you know, how to deal with group dynamics, a few things like that. So then to go back in and look at everything you've done in your career and rewrite that, to validate those things people need to know about you now, that is one of the things I really like about LinkedIn, that you can
0: do that. So in terms of developing, you've developed, uh, I understand at least from looking at your profile, uh, the twin concepts of LinkedIn Live and the LinkedIn Profile Reboot. What exactly are those two things?
1: I mainly started it to put my name on the map but when I first started my consultancy in LinkedIn and nobody knew me. I thought, oh, i just going to get this really well-known sort of upmarket venue in Amsterdam and do something there and have a video made so that people think I am well-established when I'm not. But then people enjoyed it so much that I ran the event a few more times. And the LinkedIn reboot, that's one of the programs I'm still offering but under a new name. It is now called the Big Fat Package because when it first started out, um, I used to sit down with someone one-on-one for about six hours to completely rewrite or reboot their profile in a manner that I talked about a little bit earlier in this call where I would really question people about everything they've ever done and and I'd really be on the lookout for when the eyes light up because then I know we're onto something. So I've now broken it down into three sessions, where the first one is where I do all the asking questions and note-taking. And then we have two separate writing sessions. It's still eight hours all up, but it's broken down in three different sessions. And um, that is that is for the profile. And there's like another package that also in the the company page and the network building and the active posting and the strategy and all that.
0: What is the business case for a training owner investing you know, time and money into doing this properly?
1: Yes, um, and that's a really good question because it does, um, if you hire someone to do it with you, it does take a fair bit of money. And apart from that, it does also take time and dedication. So you have to think about it. But the main thing is if you use LinkedIn, I was going to say regularly, but even let's say if you spend half an hour three times a week, so that's 90 minutes out of your week to consistently um, post but also engage with others, it is the quickest way to put your name on the map and to be well known for your expertise. Like you said earlier in this call, you have found out about me years ago and then. Um, a few years later, when you talk to your sisters, she says, oh, I know this person and it comes back to me. It's not that hard. It takes initial work to really get your profile completely focused on what your current clients or prospective clients need to believe about you and build that throughout your whole profile, starting from education. Even if your job, your education was completely irrelevant to what you do now, you still had some takeaways from that period that you can write using keywords that are important now. So if you do that, and if you set up a strategy, so you tell yourself, am I going to sit down and do LinkedIn two days a week or five days a week, I don't care, but you pick those dates, you decide you're going to dedicate 30 minutes, and you think, who do I want to reach? What message do I want to send? It takes a bit of money and time to set it all up properly, but after that, it shouldn't take you more than, half an hour a day, and even if you do that as little as three days a week, you'll become really well-known as the expert in your field and not just the expert but also that nice person that's never shy to help out because you're answering questions and you're sharing some information. And um, That is how I build my whole business. I have never done any cold calling, never done any acquisition because, well, quite frankly, I'm too shy for that. So... Mm. All I do is be very visible, very active, and very and always sharing value on LinkedIn. And that's how I get my clients.
0: Okay, let, let's dive into a quick few um, questions on, on how training business owners can get LinkedIn right. So, so first of all, which mistakes are training business owners typically making on LinkedIn, in your opinion?
1: Not sharing value, only posting something when they have to fill up a new workshop or... Um, things like that, what I often see as well. And, I mean, I do it too, but it depends how you do it. When you've delivered a training and posting about it, if you're just going to post a picture of the group you've just trained and say, oh, it was such an honor to train these people on this topic, I'm yeah, that's not interesting. You can post that and still add value to your network. You could maybe in the comments tag a few of the people that attended and ask them to share their biggest takeaway from the day because then, People are engaging with your post. They're all hearing a tip from your training. So that is actually putting your expertise out there. But you've got others to tell it. And your post is not just showing off, oh, look at me. I was here training. It's actually getting the trainees talking about the training, which is um, a lot better for your brand.
0: What's the difference between a personal profile? And a company page, because I think a lot of people have, well, most people I know have personal profiles somewhere on LinkedIn. Uh, Sometimes they're not up to date, but sometimes they are, most often they are. But I don't know too many people who've told me they have a company page, even as training business owners. What's the advantage of having those in place?
1: I think it sort of speaks for itself, right? You have a personal profile that's you as a person, has your background, your expertise, and there's a company page page which is a bit more corporate, but you always need one. Even if you're a solo entrepreneur, you still need a company page because on your personal profile, you list your work experience and your most important one is your current role. Now fancy if you're trying to approach clients and they look you up on LinkedIn and the current company from which you're approaching them doesn't have a company logo. It just has a gray square, like, hey, there's something missing here. That will not look professional at all.
0: Okay, so you Um, actually have to have a company page to be able to stick in a logo, which appears then next to your uh, work experience.
1: Yes, because you can't actually stick in a logo. The only way a logo will appear in your work experience is if you're adding a company that has a company page on LinkedIn so even if it was only for that you need to set one up just the bare minimum you know every field that has an asterisk so that you have to fill it in you fill it in but do upload a logo and then once you've set that up you've got to go back to your personal profile edit that particular piece of work experience by deleting the company name and then when you start typing the company name again You should see it in a drop-down menu with the logo and then you click on it because that is, um, well, actually that goes back to your previous question as well. I think that would be one of the biggest mistakes to um, not have a company page, so that there's no logo in your work experience section for the job from which you're talking to prospective clients. Most of your energy should always be from your personal profile, um, networking, building relationships, and if you're part of a slightly bigger company where someone does put time and effort into the company page and post updates there, then um, from your personal profile you can share these company posts as well.
0: Okay, what's the? Um, this is something which really uh, is on my mind because um, I'm kind of caught um, between two kind of ideas. Writing articles uh, where I simply put them on my website and create a post with a link to the external article, or I use, I think it's called LinkedIn Pulse, where I stick in an article directly into LinkedIn and post it there. W- what's the value of doing one or the other? Because some, someone told me there's a difference in terms of how LinkedIn's algorithm prioritizes a, a post which is done in the platform, as opposed to one taking people away from the platform? Yes. Yeah,
1: so there's a few questions in there. Um, to answer your last one first, yes, LinkedIn, Facebook, all these platforms like their visitors to stay on their platform. So if you're going to post something with an external link, they like that less. It's the same with video. If you have video, um, always upload it rather than linking to YouTube. Um, with posts, so the updates that you can write, and they can be reasonably long because you've got 1,300 characters to play with, which is, you know, four or five paragraphs. Um, generally, people say don't put links in it because the algorithm will penalize and blah, 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 but we'll never know the algorithm for sure because if we ever figured something out and everybody starts talking about it, then they'll change it. <laughs> you know, it's as yeah. easy as that. Um But you'll see a lot of posts where people will say, oh, the link to the full article is in the first comment. I don't like that strategy so much because comments are displayed by either recent or the ones with the most engagement. So once people start engaging with your post, your link, your comment with your link will be somewhere in the middle of it. it. It will be hard to find. So another thing that you can do is you post an update And write it as if there's a link in there, but you don't. Then you post it. As soon as you've done that, you go to the three dots on the top right to click edit. And then you add the link in. Now, all the people I've spoken to and that use this and some people do more research about reach and this and that. And is there a change? It seems you don't even have to wait. That as soon as you've posted it, it's picked up in the LinkedIn system. So then... You can straight away edit and put the link in after all. Um, but in the end, you know, algorithms, it's mainly engagement because LinkedIn shows your post to only a handful of people. And if anyone in that handful of people bothers to like a comment, then the system thinks, oh, apparently people like this content. Let's show it to a bigger part of their network.
0: Something which someone has said to me is worthwhile investing money in, is something called LinkedIn Sales Navigator. And this might be where someone, you know, um, wants to, as a training business owner, let's say they do presentation skills, and they want to, you know, quickly find out the kinds of people who might be viable prospects for them. What what is LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and when would you recommend this as an investment?
1: Okay, so um, great question. I, I don't use it myself, but LinkedIn Sales Navigator... It's an advanced sales tool, and it's really developed to eight to sales teams and organizations to build and nurture your customer relationship or the network. So it's got really advanced searches. It's got more tagging options. It's got notifications you can set up. It is quite pricey. And just like LinkedIn itself, it's a tool. And I can buy… A hammer but if I don't know how to use it I still can't get that nail into the wood the same here if you have no knowledge or experience of prospecting and lead generation and customer relationship management then buying a tool that's going to help you do that I'm not too sure that's probably one of the reasons I haven't got it <laughs> because It's a tool to help you do those things. But if you don't know how to do those things, the tool is going to be pretty useless. I've heard people who say it's brilliant because the advanced features of, you know, more search options, more saves. um, Because we can save searches on the free LinkedIn account as well, right? If you set up a search and, and set up some filters and get some really good results, you can save it. And then you get an email every week with the new results from that search. So in a free account, you can save, I think, three searches. So sales navigator goes into a lot more detail in there, and it um, allows you to to really see the, the, the updates of certain people so that it's easier to engage with them because you don't have to go and see if they happen to post anything. But again, same like with the paid LinkedIn account, are you actually going to put the time and effort into doing all these things?
0: Can I ask you to rewind there for a second? You mentioned um, being able to save your searches. Why would someone want to save their searches?
1: Um, okay, say that I focused my business. If I wanted to attract more clients that are coaches,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I want um, not all coaches because I don't want soccer coaches, so I'm I'm setting up this search where I say, okay. People have to have coaches, the current job title, or executive coach, leadership coach. Maybe I add a few keywords. Um, they need to have an English language profile. They need to be in particular areas. So I, I really fine tune it and I get some results. I think, oh, yeah, that's really my ideal client. So I'm going to try and reach out to them, and engage with them. Then, if that search gave me this really good result, I'm going to save it, which effectively means that LinkedIn will rerun the search for me once a week. And if there's new results of people that ah. either weren't on LinkedIn before or rewrote the profile so they suddenly met, I just get these results in my email. You have to start your search with a keyword. So you you put a keyword in your search box or a Boolean expression to really narrow down your keyword. And then you click on all filters and add some more filters. And if you think, oh, this one's very good, you save it.
0: So let's um, talk about Petra's uh, top five (laughs) expert tips to, you know, I'm focused here on training business owners, people who are, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, leadership trainers, sales trainers, presentation skills trainers, or even people who have a training company and employee trainers. Um, You talk about turning LinkedIn into a magnet of opportunity. So let's look at five ways that training business owners specifically could could do this, could take advantage of LinkedIn and turn this into a regular stream of potential business. What's your first tip?
1: Um, Well, my first tip is also about first impressions. Because LinkedIn, it's a website If people stumble upon your profile or came there through a search. They're only going to take a couple of seconds to decide if they're going to read on or not. So the first impression really, really needs to tell people um, what you do and who you do it for. So the main thing where you can do that is in your headline. Okay. And and already you sort of have answered it because when you said uh, training businesses, but then you said maybe leadership trainers or sales trainers. Or So be specific because if you just say trainer, we don't know what you're training in. If you're a sales trainer, it might even be more specific. It might even be in a certain industry. So it needs to be as clear as possible for your reader if it's going to be worth their time to read your profile. So definitely use the headline for that. You've got 120 characters, well, including spaces, to put something there. And that can be quite a decent sentence. That's more than you think. So that would be my first tip.
0: Okay, what about your second tip then, tip two?
1: That would be the banner. Because LinkedIn put this big – well, some people still have this big blue banner across the top that has some dots and lines connecting it. And if you still have that blue banner, it means you haven't really fixed up your profile since 2014. Um, That is the first (laughs) thing people see. It is big. That's the graphic. It's at the the very top.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So use that wisely. Um, put your company logo in it. Maybe put a little slogan or quote, or some people even mm. put their contact details. But that excuse I that banner and that headline need to strengthen the same. Each other need to send the same message. They need to match.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Um, something like Canva.com. That's a very simple online graphics editor where you can upload a picture or even take one of their stock images and create something really attractive. But you're right, uh, you know, that's something I did with with my profile on LinkedIn, which was to use canva.com uh, to, you know, for free, upload a picture of me uh, training and then put some kind of uh, graphics on top of that. So that's a really good point, Petra. It's it's something many people overlook. It, it, we we use a default image or something which is a picture of a, I don't know, a lighthouse or a picture of a, a background, but there's nothing in there actually selling you and your brand. So that's really a really good tip. What about tip number three then?
1: Um, yeah, I just want to come back very briefly to Canva because absolutely I use it too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Be aware that Canva has the four templates that are not always up to date. So for your LinkedIn banner, don't use the template for the LinkedIn banner, but use a custom size and add the dimensions. You know, when you when you hover your mouse over uploading the banner, it tells you exactly the dimensions. Wow. They're, um 1584 pixels by 396. It's one to four. But looking at your banner, um, the wording on it, I would move it right to the top because when people view your profile on a desktop, your um, headshot sits to the left. But when they view your profile from a mobile device, which over 60% of LinkedIn users do, your headshot sits in the middle and it sits up way higher. So at the moment, you have three words on your banner and yeah. the one in the middle is completely covered.
0: Oh, that's a good tip. Okay, I have work to do. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, in your <laughs> case, it's
1: an easy fix because if okay. you move the wording right to the top of your banner, like right next to your head, um, you should be fine.
0: Well, that's a great tip, Petra. Um, I'll settle the bill after this uh, call. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good tip. Yeah, people often don't re- remember that a lot of content—LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, etc.—is consumed on mobile devices these days. So uh, we often work with a desktop, but people often read things on a on a mobile device. So it's a good point to check out what your profile looks to people on both platforms.
1: Okay, one, and I think I've already talked about this, is but to be authentic because especially in training, um, your best results are not just based on your subject knowledge. It is also if your personality and your training style match your audience. And, of course, as trainers, we always adapt to the group at hand, but in the end, you still bring a certain style and personality with you that you can't fully adapt all the time, and and you don't want to. So make sure that you know. In your case, you know, see so you wear a button-up shirt, which is good because that gives us an idea that you're, you know, what you would be like when you're presenting. But if you show up in a t-shirt when you're presenting, then there's a mismatch.
0: Right.
1: So with your your um images, your choice of words, your style of writing, make sure it matches what you're like when people meet you.
0: Right. So if you're a, if you're training in a business area, like let's say sales for financial services, that profile and that language needs to be consistent with the expectations of your audience and the, the tone of voice that you project uh, through yes. everything you do on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, okay. absolutely.
0: Okay. So, um, Coming to the end of this then, how can listeners contact you? And let's talk for a few moments about the kinds of packages you offer people who think it's worthwhile investing time and money in updating their LinkedIn profile on the basis that it's actually going to get them a a return on investment. What kind of um, packages can you offer? And then we'll come to the, maybe your contact details last, if that's okay.
1: Sure. So offer different packages. Broadly, I've got three target audiences. I work for companies where I come to the organization and deliver training to the employees. So that's what the company hires me to train their people. Um, when I train professionals, that tend to be people who um, work for an employer, but they're not so much job seekers. They tend to be people that have reached a certain point in their career where they're quite comfortable, but then think that their profile doesn't truly represent them and they want to portray that better. And then there's, there's entrepreneurs. So whether it be um, solo entrepreneurs or small businesses who really want to start using, you know, not just their personal profile, but also how are they going to use LinkedIn actively? That's my three target groups. That I deliver different kind of trainings for. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, how can people contact you and work with you, Petra? You're based yes. in the Netherlands, but you're on LinkedIn. You've got obviously a website. Uh, just just talk us through that and what the best ways to get in touch, touch with you and to start working with you. Sure. So,
1: there's the the two easiest ways to get in touch with me would be to connect with me on LinkedIn, and especially if you. Um, Add little message why i would like to connect. It could be as easy as, well, I listened to Mark's podcast and you said connect with me on LinkedIn. Then, you know, that's good enough for me. And the other one is you can go to my website, which is petrofisher.com. And um, obviously, all my services, all my packages are on my website and it'll work with me page. But if you want to get a taste and a feel for it, There's also the the subscribing to the newsletter. And I mean, who doesn't want more email?
0: I mean, that's everybody's dream, right? Hands up, everyone. Who wants more email?
1: Yes. So that means if you sign up to my newsletter, um, the very first email has a download link to my free LinkedIn profile workbook. So you can completely do it yourself. It's all for free. Unsubscribe from the newsletter as soon as you get sick of me because workbook's in the pocket. So that way you can work with me totally for free. Um, there's also an online training on my website, which is really quite affordable. So there's a few ways to sort of test the waters before you decide to. And, and
0: that's something you launched recently, Petra, isn't it? But um, was that this month or last month, your online training um, program?
1: The, yeah, the program in its current shape, mm. I launched that um, last December, December 2018. I had an online program probably in 2012 or 2013 and that was quite successful but then I sort of didn't update it so I took it offline and I relaunched it last year and because that's only 100 euros so it's quite affordable for people and you work through everything step by step so it's really manageable um, you didn't mention I'm in Amsterdam which is true but most of my one-on-one work I do through Skype or through Zoom which is similar to Skype but a bit more stable which means um, my clients are all over the world. Really on the on the work with me page, if you scroll down way to the bottom, you see this interactive Google map with pins of, of all the clients that I've worked with, like where they're located. So mm-hmm. wherever in the world you are listening to this, um, we can always work together and you can definitely get your hands on my freebies. Yes,
0: yeah, so you've got uh, obviously the freebies through your um – subscribing to your email list. Uh, You've got uh, the online uh, program, but then you've also got, as you mentioned, that one-to-one series of packages that you can work with for organizations, professionals, and entrepreneurs. Yep, Petra, it's been wonderful talking to you this morning. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to hear back from listeners as to what they have thought of the podcast. I really enjoyed it. and there are a couple of things I've written down, which I'm going to start working on right now for my LinkedIn profile too. So thank you once more.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It was great fun.
0: Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoy that episode with Petra. And Petra, if you're listening, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. There is, of course, lots we can cover again in a future episode about LinkedIn. It's worth dedicating at least one, maybe two more episodes this year in 2019 having listened to petra i don't know about you but i'm i'm now confident that i i have work to do on my linkedin profile as well as my content strategy the kinds of things i need to be writing and the ways to promote them you can if you like do this yourself or you could of course contact petra i'm sure she'd be happy to help as you listened to the episode i'm sure you heard the fact that she has a variety of ways to help people like you to improve their performance on LinkedIn, whatever that might be. So I'll leave those details in the show notes. Tune in next week for advice on how to get Q2, your your second quarter of this training business year, lined up for success. It's something I've promised to you for several weeks now. So it's about time I got around to doing that. And that'll be episode 26 next week in March 2019. Take care and have a great training week. Bye for now.